Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Memphis, Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, April 21st, 2021, and we are, um, this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we are on page 52 in We Agnostics. Um, We're going to be reading and commenting on the second paragraph that begins, we had to ask ourselves. Today's readers for the 12 steps, Nancy C. The 12 traditions, Nina R. Um, For the text, Barbara E., Reva P., and Penny C. Our newcomer greeter is Tanya G., and our second hour host is Nancy P. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, April the 20th, 2021. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 16,797. That's 16797. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 16,798. That's 16798. OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy C. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Nancy C., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves would could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service today. Lisa Starborn, please. Okay, thank you for that. Um, thank you, Nancy C., for reading the 12 steps. And I'll now ask Nina R. to please read the 12 traditions. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. So Nina R., we can't hear you. Star one. Sorry about that. It's Nina R. from New York City with the 12 traditions. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Tradition two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Tradition three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Tradition four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Tradition five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Tradition six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige diverge from our primary purpose. Tradition seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Tradition eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Tradition nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those who serve. Tradition 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn to public controversy. Tradition 11, a public relations policy is based on traction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Tradition 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be a service. Thank you, Nina R., for reading the traditions. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 52, the second paragraph that begins, we had to ask ourselves, and we'll be reading and commenting on the, just that one paragraph. 
And I'll now ask Barbara E. to please get us started. Good morning, everyone. And Lisa, thank you for your devoted service. This might be a little difficult because I've crossed out all our ourselves and we and substituted I. But I'm going to do my best to read it as it was written in the big book. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems this same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight? Of course it was. I'll get my timer, but I appreciate it if you would too. Well, if I focus on the food, there's no God. And if I focus on God, there's no food. The AA Big Book is not a book about how to stop harming myself with food. It's a book about explaining I have a spiritual malady, but I found I could recover. But before I recovered, the bedevilments that we just read about plagued me. I often used to lecture people on what they should do and then get angry when they would retaliate or tell me what to do. I now accept that I had to quit playing God. Giving up the food was the easy part. Staying out of God's way was the hard part. Accepting he is the driver and I'm just a bozo on the bus. Looking forward to where my God will take me on my spiritual journey. But I had to allow other people to help me too and listen and learn from them because God speaks through all of us. There are many fellows from away who are on this bus to support me, and I them. But I must never forget who's driving the bus. I must listen and follow where he leads me and trust him to keep me safe. Even though I was still going up and down the scales because I was not yet recovered, I was still relying on me and having little success. I was having trouble with people and very arrogant. But eventually, my negative attitude started to be replaced by a power that wasn't me and replaced by something awesome and amazing before I was halfway through. Now I find things don't disturb me as much as in it, and if they do, I do a 10-step immediately and turn back to call another. I believe my higher power is there to, to support me to cheer me on so I can become more humble and honest. The weight of the world has been lifted off my shoulders. The spiritual life was no longer a theory. It, I had to live it. Thank you, my past. Thank you, Barbara E., for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on Monday or Tuesday at any of the meetings, we ask you to hold back. And now who would like to share what, on what was read? 
Rick Linda Jay. Sarah L. Rick Alexander L. L. Melissa Jen. C. Melissa Jen A. L. Jen A. Reva P. Reva P. Donna S. Donna S. Let's stop right there. I have to clarify one. I have Rick. I think it's Rick J. Somebody L. And then Allison. Dara L. Thank you, Dara. Okay. Rick J., Dara L., Allison L., I think, Melissa C., Jen A., Reva P., and Donna S. What a great lineup. Rick J., um, you're up, followed by Dara L. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for your service. Uh, my name is Rick J. I am a compulsive overeater in North Carolina. I recovered, uh, not cured, as my dear friend says. And uh, that's true. Uh, I'm not cured, but I am recovered. And the, um, you know, I'm just not recovered from an obsession of the mind and, uh, you know, a physical allergy. I'm, I'm recovered from, from everything we were just reading here, although, you know, certainly not perfectly, but um, I, I look at these, you know, um, as old ideas, you know, and, you know, that were, were keeping me in this, this, uh, this fear, this, you know, trouble with personal relationships, unable to control my emotional nature. I was a prey to misery and depression. I couldn't make a living. Um, I had a feeling of uselessness. I was full of fear. I was unhappy. I couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. And I, and I do personalize these things. I've been taught to do that to own them so I can see how it's true for me, how they're real for me, these bedevilments, right? Um, and what I'm seeing is, you know, this, the, the previous paragraph was talking about, uh, you know, I had to, um, I had to exchange, I had to throw away, I had to get rid of, I had to eliminate these old ideas. I had to get a new idea. And until I could get a new idea about a power greater than myself and, and that I needed to connect to that power, I was not going to change. I could not have a spiritual transformation. You know, and, and I love how how in here and in, in the all through the big books, you know, they, they keep building on things and, and the significance of something stated earlier uh, can can uh, be revealed with something that I read later. But on page 50, it, you know, it says, here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. And in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure of their human resources. I didn't mean to start reading this whole other paragraph, but... You know, and that that uh, that face of collapse and despair, and the face of total failure of human resources—that for me is is exemplified here in in these so-called bedevilments. And I was all just thinking too about the promises. You know, it's like uh, are these extravagant promises? We think not. Are these extravagant bedevilments? We think not. They will always materialize, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, if I do not stay connected to a power greater than myself. And I've seen that to be true. So it's just, you know, what a what a sense of grace and humility that I can see how I have changed. You know, I had that readiness, the readiness to change. 
I'm, I'm embracing new ideas. Sometimes my old ideas come back, but um, for me, being recovered is embracing new ideas and staying connected to another, this higher power. Anyway, good to be here with all of you. With all of that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. And Dara L., you're up, followed by Allison L. Oh, great. Um, this is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. And um, this paragraph is so essential because, for, you know, how I've applied it in my life and in my recovery is that I always was chasing external results. And I always focused when I was in the disease on the external consequences, you know. And so I would try to rationalize with myself like, oh, well, it's not that bad because I'm not back in treatment again, you know, or it's not that bad because um, I'm only binging and purging like three times a day instead of six times or 12 times or whatever. Or like if I could just lose weight or if I could just fix the food, if I could just, you know, get the boyfriend or the girlfriend or whatever it was, like I, I just always felt like, if I change my circumstances or I change my externals, then I'll be okay. Then I'll be okay. Then I'll fix it. You know, whatever's wrong with me on the inside is going to be fixed because of the outside. And this paragraph tells me um, that, you know, the problem is me, right? That I'm having trouble with my personal relationships. Why? Because of how I react to people, um, places and things. I couldn't control my emotional nature. Like, check, you know, good things would happen. And I was still like, I just could never, ever find a sense of peace and a sense of internal peace and serenity. Um, yeah, you know, I couldn't make a living, of course, when I was spending $300 a day on food. Um, that feeling of uselessness, it didn't matter how the world perceived me or what I did externally. I always felt useful, useless, sorry, and afraid. And I just felt scared and sad and lonely. And, and the worst places for me were when everything went my way and I still wanted to die and I still felt, felt devastated. And so, so the great news is, is that the internal state, wherever a person is externally, whatever consequences a person has in their life, like are irrelevant, right? It's about acknowledging that, oh, this is how I feel inside. And then, um, yeah, putting down the food and reaching for God or whatever, you know, we define that higher power to be. Um, and that internal state gets rearranged. It gets, it gets, I don't know, it just, it, life becomes livable and life becomes joyous. And I don't know how that happens, but I do know that I'm not capable of that on my own. Um, and I love that they use the word bedevilments because, you know, this is a God program and the devil, you know, the, the devil is inside of me, you know, like in my mind. And, uh, and I'm grateful that today I don't have to live that way. And I'm grateful that today I realized the problem is my mind because I used to keep thinking that if I just got the food problem solved, then life would get better. And I realized that, you know, I can spend the rest of my life and I will never solve the problem of me, um, which means that every day, um, my timer just went, every day, you know, I get to connect with God. And, uh, and every day I have a spiritual reprieve contingent on the maintenance of that, con that condition. Um, and I'll pass. Thank you, Dara L. And Allison L., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Hi, thank you for your service. Good morning. This is Allison L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Uh, these bedevilments, I had lived um, with these troubles and feelings and miseries, unhappiness, um, 
from this paragraph so long that I didn't even know there was another way. So having a quote unquote food problem drove me for, you know, to look for some solution for that. Um, so I didn't come to OA looking for help in my personal relationships. I didn't even realize that I needed or could have, you know, different point of view. And it was in hearing others share what they used to be like, what happened and what they're like now that opened my heart and my eyes to the possibility of living differently, uh, to being truly free from fears and depressions that seemed so normal and inevitable in my life. Uh, only in hearing that others understood my misery and were now free did I begin to hope that the basic solution offered in this book could possibly change things for me too. Um, and only through experiencing recovery for myself can I now grasp the depths of the bedevilments that I had really been mired in for so long. The hope of recovery uh, came from hearing others experience and that hope gave me courage each day to believe something greater than myself could and still can restore me to sanity day by day. Um, I didn't even know that existed until I came to program. So when the pain of entire abstinence and working the steps seemed so heavy, there was that hope that was a light that just kept me trudging forward. And um, for over four years now, I've continued that work. The basic solution offered in this book that we are studying and the obsession to eat compulsively has not returned to me. Um, I, I no longer live in a continuous or unconscious state of feeling these bedevilments um, all the time. I mean, this solution works. There's a higher power available uh, to me and to everyone that, that wants it and seeks it and does it. And relief is close by any time that I seek it. It's there waiting. Um, just wanted to pass along that hope this morning, and I'll pass with that. Thank you, Allison L. And Melissa C., you're up, followed by Jen A. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. from New York, recovered. Um, thank you so much for your service this morning. You know, I read this paragraph, um, you know, it's trying to, like, convince us, like, okay, so, you know, here's all this evidence, and so, like, why shouldn't you believe? Like, if all that's not convincing you, um, how about, like, your own sucky life, you know, like, um, and that, you know, and I think, like, when, when, when a step done thoroughly, um, it's like you're almost forced into taking the next step. Like, I think about it, it's like my foot is kind of left dangling in the air, and I want to put it down. So, you know, what drove me to take step two was the crushing blow of step one of my powerlessness, you know. What is it that finally made me ready to change my point of view about a possibility of something that could relieve me? Um, the bedevilments. You know, I couldn't control emotional nature. Like, I would have huge crying jags for no apparent reason. When eating and when not eating. How's that? Like, when the food was down and when I was, you know, headfirst into the food. I couldn't get along with the people around me, whether I was eating or wasn't eating, right? Um, I would have, like, um, huge temper tantrums at home, but I would be, like, smiling every time I went to work or every time I was in public, putting on huge shows um, and, like, running, running amok in my house, you know. I think what really, for me, what really convinced me 
was like food was my go-to. It was my cure-all for everything that, you know, ailed me, and it stopped working. And that, you know, I always prided myself on my thinking. I've, you know, um, been told, you know, all growing up, you're a smart girl. My, my intelligence got me, you know, lots of great things, and I couldn't apply my thinking any longer. And, and I actually felt like my thinking um, had abandoned me. I couldn't think straight anymore, and it scared me. It, it was terrifying, and the food stopped working. And, I, you know, I knew I was out of options. Like, why should I believe in a higher power? Because I was living in the lowest weakness, and that's where it started for me. You know, I just... It started with the opposite. I knew what it was like to live this way. I didn't want to live that way anymore. And what I found was that every time I, like, just trust, just believe in if this is a scam, right? I say if this is a scam and I let myself go with it, I've been rewarded with, like, great, you know, the opposite of the bedevilments, the the promises. And um, thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Jen A., you're up, followed by Reva P. Good morning. This is Jen A., recovered in uh, Colorado this morning. And uh, this paragraph, I love it because I'll never forget the time when I sat across from my sponsors and we're sitting there at the Panera Bread on a Saturday morning. And he goes, well, let's take a look at how and see how your life is unmanageable. He's like, there's this inventory we're going to do in the book. And we whipped it open and we read this. And I'm like, I don't see any inventory in this paragraph. He goes, these are the nine questions of unmanageability. We're going to take these statements. We're going to turn them into questions. And I want you to answer them. And I want you to look back and see how your life was unmanageable from the first time that you can remember as a kid all the way up until like high school and then college and then young married years. And then I want you to look at it today and ask yourself these questions. Did you have trouble with personal relationships, Jen? How were your emotional natures? Were you prey to misery? Have you been depressed? And I started to look at all of these things. I knew that I was powerless over food, you know. Um, I needed to see a little bit deeper the unmanageability in my life. Um, These bedevilments are the torment, the agony I suffered, the disturbances, the places where I was distressed, and the areas in which I was afflicted. And I'm so glad that these men sat me down and that they had me take a look at these bedevilments. Because I kind of think about it as that Disney movie, like Pinocchio, right? And he's the boy, the, the wooden puppet. And he truly is not free, right? He's tied by all these strings. I look at those strings as the, as the bedevilment, those unmanageable things in my life, just like Pinocchio. I couldn't dance. I wasn't free. I was trapped. I was held up in bondage. And, you know, like Melissa just said, you turn a few pages over, you know, to page, like, what is it, like 83, and here come the ninth step promises. And as those strings no longer hold me down, and as God removes these defects of character, as I uncover, discover, and discard all the things about myself through this inventory process of steps four, five, six, and seven, eight, and nine, I begin to get free, right? Because I used to not be able to control my emotional natures at all. And now I'm able, you know, to be more serene and have more peace. 
Um, you know, I'd like to say that um, I, I'm, I'm perfect, but no, I'm always going back to page 52, just like you, Jen. That's how I remember it. 52, just like you. I don't need a bookmark because I come back to the bedevilments every single day. I was here yesterday. Trouble with personal relationships with someone in my office. And I get to look at myself and I get to see where I'm holding my hand in the fire, why I'm so upset, the lies that I'm omitting, the truths that I'm not telling myself, right? And so this program just helps me continue to get free, break free of the chains of bondage. You know, I want to think about Bill for a second. This man, he was not a writer. He was not a journalist. The guy was a salesman. How did he on page 52 come up with nine questions of unmanageability and then nine matching, uh, nine matching promises? Really? Like, that's God. That's where I know this is penned from God. This is where I know this program is a miracle. I'm so glad for that today. Didn't know it, didn't see it coming, but today I'm experiencing those promises as a result of doing this work and letting God in. I can't, God can, so I'm going to let him. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. And Reva P., you're up, followed by Donna F. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Oh, awesome shares. I love this paragraph. So bedevilments. I looked it up. What are bedevilments? Being harassed, molested, being tormented by continued persistent attacks and criticism. Wow. That was my life in the food. But I have learned from my fellows on this meeting that is what it's like in abstinence only. These bedevilments, every single one of them, are things that I experience if I don't work my buns off and do the step work. So I can experience them today. Um, and yeah, I need to do what's between, between the, this page and page 84 and 85 to get to those promises. And I find it so... Um, Interesting, and I've heard an AA speaker say, you know, here are all these bedevilments, here are all these awful things, my life in the food and abstinent only. And then, you know, I have to ask myself, am I ready to change? Like only an addict would say, well, let me think about this. Let me think about this. Are you giving me enough evidence? You know, should I really work the steps? Like my life is a mess. I can't manage. Thank you, God. For those of us, you know, we get to the, the, our step bottom, and yes, I'll do whatever you tell me. Yes, tell me what to do. This program doesn't sound very um, convincing. It sounds hokey, but thank you, God, I was at the bottom because it gets to the end of the paragraph, and it says, don't we want a solution, a basic solution? Um, so thank you, God, the disease and the misery and the pain is the best convincer that twists my arm and says, okay, I am willing to do whatever it takes so that I can experience um, the relief. And as it was shared, you know, do, I do the work and then those things change, um, not by me, but to me as a result of working the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Donna S., please share with us. Good morning. I'm Donna S. in South Florida, Eastern Time. Thank you so much for your service. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm in recovery, but I'm not cured for sure. I heard so many great shares already this morning. 
And the thing that hits me the most is my relationships. My relationships, I even started this morning, and I'm catching myself because of this program. I woke up, and my neighbor's dog is barking and waking me up. So the first thing, you know, I start getting the resentment. I, my mind starts going, and that, then I realize, really, you're going to get yourself woke up by the dog, and this is, this is how you're going to start your morning? And then I said, nope, I'm going to get my meeting, and I'm going to um, do, you know, you know, take my medicine, do my recovery, because I don't want to get into anything with my neighbors. They're having a baby. They're, they have a lot of good stuff going on in their life. So, you know what, if the dog barks a little and wakes me up, oh, well, you know what, tire power waking me up. It's time, Donna, get up. But um, my relationship stuff has been like that. I'm very grandiose. I have a job where I um, could get a resentment very quickly, and I do. In the past, have I? Yes, many. I've broken a lot of relationships because of this. And now after this program, I'm seeing my part took me many years not to see my part. I always had to point the finger at everybody else. You know, they did this and they're, and you know, so I always say they're messing with my money. They don't want me to, uh, you know, make it. As soon as I started working this program and realizing these things, this year, I don't take the prisoners anymore with me. I do my best not to. If I do, because I know I'm going to get those feelings again because I've been almost, you know, 35 years in my job, and I do get those feelings, and I know they'll come back again. But today, I have the steps to work. I have the meetings to listen to. I have a sponsor, and I have my higher power, most of all, to um, guide me. And I start feeling that, that stuff that goes on, you know, during my day. You know, and it's usually from somebody close to me that gives me the biggest resentment. It's not normally um, other people. It could be a close friend with the work stuff. And you know what? This year, since I realized this, what I have done and how I've treated these relationships, I'm having the best year ever in my business. And I've been doing this for 35 years. I can't believe it. It's the first time that I've always been pretty successful, but not as successful as I am now. And I really relate it to this program, to all of you, to my higher power, because I know what I'm doing in my job, but something happened that it kind of exploded. All right. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for this meeting. Thank you, Donna S. And before I take another list of names, we have read and are sharing on uh, the second paragraph on page 52 that begins, we had to ask ourselves. And who else would like to share this morning? Leslie W. Linda D. In Fort Worth. Somebody in Fort Worth. I didn't get you. Leslie W. Linda D. Who in Fort Worth? Jenica T. Say, say that one more time. <clears throat> Seneca T. Seneca, thank you. Okay, Seneca. Anyone else? Catherine K. Catherine K. Janine H. Janine H. One more? 
If not, this is a great lineup. Okay, I have Leslie W, Linda D, Seneca T, Catherine K, and Janine H. Leslie W, please share with us. Hey, thanks, Lisa. This is Leslie W, a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. And I wanted to just focus in on uh, the full of fear phrase because, you know, when I came into the program, um, I I wasn't even aware that I that I had any fear. Um, you know, fear fear is described as an uncomfortable feeling, um, a threat, right? A threat that or a belief that someone or something is dangerous or likely to cause us pain. You know, the amazing thing to me was that I had so much, the most dangerous form of fear to me is the fear that I am in denial of, quite frankly. I had sponsors who would say to me, you know, I hear so much fear in you, Leslie. And I didn't know what they were talking about. Because in my mind, I wasn't afraid. I, I, I just needed help with my food. Like, just, just tell me. Give me the diet. Give me, give me the, the right formula that I need to get, to get rid of this little food problem. Like, what's the trick? What's this, you know, what's the thing that, that everybody else has got figured out but I don't? Right? Because my life is just fine. Thank you very much. I had so much pride and so much denial that I did not even know that I was afraid. And that's the worst kind of fear to me because then I can't acknowledge it. And if I can't acknowledge it, then there's nothing I can do about it. How am I going to turn my life and my will over to a power that I don't think? I need. And that is the crux of the issue for me. As long as I believe that I am managing my life, for me, I could easily compartmentalize my, I I thought I could easily compartmentalize my life. I had my food, I had my food problem, and then I had my life. My life was just fine. Don't touch my life. I'm here to fix my food problem, and that's it. But once you start hearing the things come out of these recovered mouths, you know, you know the truth. And you can't, and you can't go back. You can't, you can't go back. You can't unknow once you know. <laughs> once you know how really screwed up your life is and how unmanageable it really is, then you can't go back. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing because we have to be broken before we can mend. I had to be broken before I could get better. And now, now, um, thank you so much. Now I am on my way. Just, just so thankful to be here with all of you today. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Leslie W. And Linda D., you're up, followed by Seneca T. 
Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. Recovered. Very, very grateful and astounded to be recovered. I've been recovered. I'm in Connecticut. Um, I'm astounded. I'm, I'm almost like pretty close to eight years. Seven and a half, something like that. Um, that's amazing. Um, well, the thing, the word that jumps out at me, that was a wonderful exposition of from all of you of, of what's involved and how you felt and, and what these bedevilments are, and thank you for it, a reminder again. Um, not that I need to be reminded, I'm human. Um, I think... Um, Relationship is the relationships is the one word that jumps out on me at me. Um, I have a relationship with God. I can use that word now. I know that that higher power is real. I can use the word because it's kind of shorthand. However, however you use a higher power. Um, I have a relationship with God, and that's astounding, right there, because I such a smart ass I was sure uh, that couldn't possibly be true I'm an intellectual uh-huh we know how well that worked okay the point is I have a relationship with God and it starts the minute I wake up if I'm alert because I'm going to have an opinion about everything and this morning I woke up and I had an opinion about money one of my favorite subject terrifying not to some of you but to others of you well it is to me it's an area where I need a lot of healing and I quite quickly realized oh wait a minute here because this program works these steps work being with you is vital because I need the company this is very scary to grow and change and rely on what seems to be unreal or invisible. God is very visible. The higher power is very visible once I do this work. And that's not mm, hocus pocus. That's actually real. And those um, promises do come true. Gradually, I have to face fears. I have to be guided through them. And sometimes the ideas that guide me through the fears of life or the joys of life, especially the fears, uh, sometimes those ideas come spontaneously to me. And sometimes they come by talking to one of you and, and saying, I need help. Help me to see this. Time. It's, thank you. I pass. Oh, thank you, Linda D. And Seneca T, you're up, followed by Catherine K. Hey, good morning. This is Seneca T. Thanks so much for hearing me. I recently had an experience with, uh, that relates to this text. We had a, uh, to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our uh, why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. I went to an OA retreat that I knew I would receive something powerful from my higher power, and I expected it. They had an Easter egg hunt with uh, random quotes inside. So I went to the easiest one. It didn't take much effort. I just grabbed it. I was like, oh, okay, I, I did the check in the block, you know. 
And I grabbed it, and it inside it said, cultivate an attitude of gratitude. I scoffed. I was like, ha, this one's too basic. It's too rudimentary. So I tossed it. And I went to go find another one. And that one said, if you do what you have always done, you're going to get what you always have got. And I thought, holy crap, I better go back and pick up the first one because I didn't. I didn't do. I didn't practice an attitude of gratitude. And that was where I was stuck. This paragraph is fire. It describes my life to a T. My physical house, my emotional house was a freaking wreck. Depression, yes. Hate my friends, yes. Misery, yes. Couldn't find a job and make a living. Nothing, no job satisfied me. Useless feeling, knowing full well that I wanted to connect with people, but I could not. Thank God for this program because every single development in this paragraph is taking its proper place in my path. I'm so grateful for my sponsor and working the steps every day. What do I do? I look at every single hour on my calendar every single day, and I surrender them to God. I offer my hours of my day to God. The stream of life with God is first. My personal agenda is second. I place reminders on my clock to say five things I'm grateful for, including two of them, what I like about myself. Yes, it's hard. Sometimes I, I find, but I find amazing fruit throughout the day. These chains are breaking all around me, and it's due to the keys that my higher power holds. As long as I'm connected to my higher power, these chains are falling free. When I'm not connected, I'm weighed down, I'm tied down, I'm heavy, I'm beat down. So if you're not feeling happy, joyous, charged, free today, join us. Join us. This process creates miracles if you only surrender. It's not easy, but if you get the food in its right place, you get the right sponsor, you work this program like you will die tonight if you don't, you will learn this way to freedom. Join us. I'm useful today. One of my role models is Harriet Tubman. She was the conductor of the Underground Railroad, and one of her famous sayings was, I would have freed more slaves if they only knew they were slaves. I know I'm a slave in the food. If I'm in the food, I'm a slave. But today I am Harriet because of I am not. And I learned that. So, to that, so this is what I came to know, and this is what I can offer you, and I'm so grateful for what this program offers me, and I thank God that I can share it. Thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Seneca T. And Catherine K., you're up, followed by Janine H. I'm sorry, Janine H.? Well, I called Catherine K. and oh, then Janine. I'm sorry. I'm That's Catherine okay. K. I was listening. I apologize. Um, oh, go ahead, Catherine. Of, thank you. Um, one of the things that, that stuck out with me the most in this um, is we were having trouble with personal relationships. And very significant for me because the biggest personal relationship problem I have has been with myself and certainly um, through the course of recovery. Um, it was very hard for me to sit in in meetings um, where I perceived at the time people hiding um, behind the cloak of Christ and uh, in the sense of, you know, putting it all on God. And, and I've always felt that there's a strong personal accountability we have for everything we do or don't do. And so it was hard for me to get past it and hear and really pay attention to 
um, this is people's pain. It's it's not the arrogance that it comes across or the the preaching that comes across. It's pain and it's it's fear of of um, losing the the connection to their quote a higher power um, to help with their addiction. So it's very meaningful in that way for me. Um, I have multiple addictions. I've been fortunate um, in in navigating those um, to look at me. I look completely normal weight. Um, I'm 160 pounds less than I was. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's the realization and the continued work or realization and recognition that, you know, things are outside of me and um, my, my issues are far less important than other issues, um, you know, that, that people face. And so this, this sentence and this paragraph, um, you know, the prey to misery and depression um, really are the key for me in unlocking um, the control of happiness and contentment and, and ability to give in a more meaningful way. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Catherine Kay. And Janine H., please share with us. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you, everyone, for putting this meeting on day after day. I'm so grateful. I found this meeting on Friday. Um, I was in another food program for 11 years. And in that program, we read two pages of the big book every day. So I've been through this book many times. And the part of the reading that stood out for me today, after yesterday, was we couldn't control our emotional natures. And we were unhappy. And I was in a phone call with a fellow, and I was reminded of 417, the acceptance page, which I have, like, taped and glued because I read it so many times. But it's at the end of that chapter um, on page 420 where it says, um, perhaps the best thing of all for me to remember is that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, but then my rights try to move in and they can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety? And yesterday, I've been going back and forth with my landlord because I don't have screens in my windows and and it's warm. And I bought these these like sliding screens. They said we don't have them. I called the housing inspector. I'm like on a campaign, you know, to get these stupid screens in my windows because I pay so much for rent. I my I have a right to screen. And the housing inspector, he backed me up. You have a right to scream. And yesterday my cat got out the window. Oh, God. She's, she's my child. She is like my child. And I couldn't find her anywhere. And I finally looked out the window, and she's on the awning of this first floor. Oh, God. It, I, I was shaking. I was shaking. I was so angry. Um. And and so there I go. I'm texting the building and maintenance man. I'm texting the housing inspector. My sister. I'm getting everyone on my side. And 
oh, I, I don't want to do that anymore. What do I know, really? Keep the window closed, you know. Keep a good eye on Kitty. It will be fine. How important is it, really? It seems so very important. You know, I'm also in a battle with the Internet. Apparently, you can't get solid Internet in the biggest city in Maine. <laughs> and I could be right all day long, you know. And Hi. Uh, thank you. And do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? Thank you for listening. It's Janine H. in Portland, Maine. Thank you, Janine. Um, and it looks like we have time for one more three-minute share, if anyone would like to take it. Diane C. Diane, Diane C., please share with us. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much for your uh, service this morning. Hi, everyone. I'm Diane C. from the Baltimore area. And um, this paragraph is so speaking to me directly and through all of your shares. Um, I can really relate when someone said that uh, she wanted help with her food problem, but not with her life. Don't touch my life. Um, I certainly experienced that, but I also experienced the opposite. I wanted help with my life, but I didn't want God to help me to even touch my food issues. Um, Food was a tool of control for me, and it was a tool of comfort. And of course, I see that something, you know, off, we see that our defenses or our tools can turn on us and become our defects and can destroy us like an acid. And that was what was happening to me. I was experiencing fear, misery, and, and all the other bedevilments, including personal relationship troubles. And I would go to God in prayer. But I also had food in my back pocket, not literally, um, but I had food in the other isms. And in doing that, I was revealing, I see now that that was agnosticism. I didn't think that God would or could come through for me. So I did come to OA, thankfully, gratefully, when the food problem became bigger uh, and, and I became bigger. And I, I hoped for more strength to be able to resist what I thought was a problem that was becoming bigger as I was getting older. But um, I, I, and so I just thought I would have more strength to resist the temptations and have more control and more quote unquote willpower. And I heard the message that others carried. I heard what all of you were saying and, oh, and thank God you, you did um, express it in beautiful ways that I could understand, even though not fully. Um, and when I got to recovery, because I did follow directions and I have a wonderful sponsor who guided me through the steps and I still work with, um, and by the grace of God, when I got there, I saw that the compulsion was removed. It never occurred to me that it would really be removed and I would live in the neutrality that you all talked about. And um, so thankfully I'm there and I hope that I am carrying the message as well as you have and I hope you all have a great day. Thanks for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Diane C. And thank you to everyone who shared today and Team Wednesday, I appreciate your service too. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, April the 21st, 2021, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 16,806. That's 16,806.
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Reva P., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi. Yes, this is uh, Reva P. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.